0: Learn more at marines.com. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so, do you wanna bet against us?
1: Hi villains and welcome to For the Love of Farmer Ground podcast and we're getting closer to the Premier League resumption again as always it's us two Irish guys back with you again it's me Neil Dunworth, and it's Paddy Kelly as well the chairman of the, um, the Munster Irish Lions supporters club. We're back again today, and today we're basically going to talk to you about the best centre midfielders and the best strikers that have played for Villa in my lifetime, i.e. since 1985. I I, I think, Paddy, the one thing that's kind of come out of this is, I I, I presume there's not going to be a Villa fan that's not going to know what age I am. That's probably the biggest thing that's come out of this.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm being very, um... very,
1: very vocal about what age I am. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, they also know you can't count to 10, Neil That's why we're only doing 5
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah That was a football for the Irish one as well Yeah, when I had my top 9 uh, Everybody does a top nine. It's a top 10 It's very easy to do a top 10 It's about who you cut off from number 10 Is that, That's what that, We that's have to be different Yeah, that's what starts the men from the boys Exactly Exactly But uh, yeah, so there hasn't been Like we've got our, our resumption of the league That's coming up uh, in... What in five, six days' time? Um,
0: so but- this next week, we'll, we'll be finished. We'll just finish the game this evening, won't we? Yeah, this time next week, we'll be um- getting a bit real. <laughs> yeah, tipping into a
1: beverage and wondering about what uh, we will we'll know. Hopefully, we will have some breathing space from the bottom three at that stage, and we're we'll back out of the bottom three where we rightfully belong. But we are not there yet, and we're not going to dwell. Do I don't think on it too much at the moment. We will have stuff coming up with regards to previews. What we'd like to see um, for this uh, for this long-awaited game, I think, is something that we're, we're really, really looking forward to. To, to football coming back again. But yeah. well,
0: for now, we have to be. Uh content with our Lions Club flag being hung for the match next Wednesday and yes. look forward to seeing it and, yeah, Did so. I see
1: that there's a picture of our other Svelte looking Paddy Kelly um, going on the mosaic as well? Did I see that? <laughs> there?
0: Yeah I don't know what size the mosaic is now but uh, <laughs> yeah there's a picture of me um, attempting to tackle Lee Hendry yeah. <laughs> I say attempted because I couldn't get anywhere near him <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you would be the first or the last person, professional or amateur, not to be able to get any, yeah. nearly injury in his pump. Um, but no, look, as as, as I say, uh, it's that's going to be fantastic as well. Having the 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 stadium kind of adorned with with different mosaics and, and and different flags as well. It's a nice idea. It's it's a really nice idea. Did you see anything? I know there was a kind of a petition or a movement for um, a stewards. Uh, alone, kind of steward's uh, singlet or high viz to be hung on. And uh, I really like the idea. Yeah. The poignant. I, 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 idea I thought of it was that. a lovely idea. Yeah, very yeah. poignant
0: idea. But uh, these kind of things kind of just are put out there, and hopefully they'll just go ahead with it. You hopefully know, someone does it. I, I, I presume they'd probably ask the family, was it okay? Yeah. but You know, whatever happens, I'd imagine it's going to be quite emotional for 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 Dean and the family next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So. Whether they want to heighten that by doing this, I don't know. So, um, we won't uh, we won't make any assumptions until until we see. But yes, I do believe it would be a nice a nice tribute, alright. And it was a really good idea, really nice.
1: Um, yeah, and and yeah, actually, I I I didn't even think of that that the the emotional time that that it would be for for the league restarting again for Dean Smith as well, but. Uh, yeah, it would be fantastic. Look, and I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, what kind of other, uh, I suppose, pieces that the, the resumption of the, the Premier League throws up from a fan um, interaction side point of view. And, and I know that BT have been pumping in fan noise for the Bundesliga recently, and it's been well-received. I presume something like that's going to happen through you know, throughout, whether it be BBC, Sky or, or BT um, for the resumption of the league. And that's all to be written. That is all to be written, and hopefully, we're writing some nice words. We're speaking some nice words about Aston Villa and the triumphant return because it's about now, well, not now, but it's about this part of the season, should I say, March time, is where if we were to go back in time to where we should be, that we went on that 10 game. Um, run with the Grim Reaper knocking on the door, that, me, that meme of the Grim Reaper knocking on the door of all yeah. those different teams. So, wouldn't it be great to have another one of those again and propel us up to safety? And then this team has the absolute talent to do so. Um, we played Leicester. We played, since we've been talking to you guys, we've played um, West Brom in a, in a two game series. And gosh, I can't even remember. So it's, I've just gone completely blank. What, was, what were the scores? And I think it was two all. It was only one game. Two so- all.
0: Yeah, two, two, all. Two, two all and
1: one nil. Was it? I can't remember. Jesus, I completely blank. I had it written down here somewhere and I can't remember it. But yeah, it was two all. I saw Jack yeah. Grealish's goal. That's, I saw it today. I saw it today,
0: yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, <we're> yeah. <laughs> a couple
1: more of those, please, Jack. We'd be delighted yeah. yeah. But We played Leicester then as well today. Well, today, yeah, we played Leicester and. Um,
0: Home and away, apparently.
1: Yeah. seems a bit
0: strange.
1: <laughs> I've seen someone say we won four nil. I've seen someone say we lost one nil. Um I've seen someone say it was only one game. I've seen somebody say that we played two sixty minute games. Um and I know that you you've gotten information where it was two games. There was one in the King Power and there was one yeah. in Villa Park. I've
0: confirmed this evening that they played oh, earlier today at Villa Park and then this evening at the King Power. So it's a good one out. Obviously, we've we've had our fill of Leicester this season playing them four times, so why yeah. not play them another two?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but look, I suppose you can't really read too much into it. But uh, you know, if you go to less, if you you said we won both games, did we?
0: Apparently, so, well, that that's the report I have so. is they won both games w- with two clean sheets, so <laughs> that's not a bad way to uh, to nurse your way back. You mean Inacio
1: didn't score? What
0: the hell is? Going Maybe he wasn't about? playing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was the guy Who got the coronavirus In the, in the Premier League today Oh it, God Yeah mm-hmm. No it was yeah. Just, Hopefully it wasn't anybody uh, that, that would be Hopefully whoever has it Is, is well looked after But um, No yeah. that's good to see Like all that Those little bits of preparation You're going to need those We're Like we're literally We're coming to the point Of where we're hours away From the from the league At this stage You know So it's, uh, yeah. it's Something to look forward to so that's really- And it's, it's
0: strange times To see You know I, I, As I said to you I've, I'd struggled to watch The Bundesliga Since it started it was a little bit better this weekend when I watched a couple of games, but the, the start of it I thought was very pre seasonish ish very testimonial-like. So um, it's no harm to get those couple of games under the belt and get used to the empty stadiums and, and see how we go. Um, Yeah, but this time next week we, we'll know our, our fate My after fate. that game in hand. So fingers crossed we're talking about being onwards and upwards and, mm. you know, it'd be like... Uh, like having a new sign and having, our, effectively, our one of our best players back in John McGinn. So, yeah. fingers crossed, all goes well and we can get the three points on Wednesday. Exactly, he'd be great, great addition back there into that central mid
1: midfield position. And just like that, what an absolutely fantastic segue from me <laughs> into um, the central midfield position. For uh, the greatest team that has appeared in Neil's lifetime since 1985, let's get into it. There's been some. There's been tons of people that we could have put in here. There's so many honourable mentions. Um, what we didn't have, uh, what we didn't have in the right wing and the left wing positions that we did previously, we certainly made up for in the central midfield positions and the centre forward positions where we've been. Uh, it seems to be traditionally strong. Um, you know, honorable merchant, uh, honorable mentions here for me would be people like uh you know, Andy Townsend, Kevin Richardson. Um, uh, there, there's tons, there really is. Tom again, uh, <laughs> yeah, Jesus, He didn't make mm-hmm. sense, it didn't make my five either. Um, mm.
0: there, there's and also uh, one that didn't make, I, I doubt very much he made yours, but I know he didn't make mine. Was one slightly before both our time, but fell into the bracket since 1985 is uh Birchie and uh, I know he's held in really high esteem by everybody that watched them during that time. So definitely, um, the late Paul Birch should be given an honorable mention. Yeah, exactly. But, um, and as I say, some of the names
1: that, uh, some of the name, um, the names that we have here, you know, there's a nice little blend in there, uh, well, for, for my five anyway. And I'm gonna start it off, and I've got somebody in there that look I know is a better player than where I have him marked in here. Uh, I know that, but I have to go on what I've seen and in my lifetime played with Aston Villa three times. Um, obviously he was part of the 1982 team, and uh, and, and then he's he, he's come back and he's played with Villa twice more after that. Um, and that's Gordon Collins. Uh, just a fantastic player, you know, in his day. Uh, the only reason I have him at number five is because you know I have to take into account what other people have done in the time that I've been alive. Because that is the only that's literally the only rule we have for this is is that uh, what they've done after nineteen eighty five. So um, Gordon Collins for me, I couldn't have a centre midfield, a top five centre midfield, and he edged out uh, he edged out a Paul Merson for me, and he edged out Andy Townsend for me. Um, you know, two people that would have would have more of a recency bias, but I just couldn't have it on my conscience that I didn't have uh, Garden Collins. I didn't have Sid in there at somewhere, so Sid comes in at number five for me. Uh, who was your number five, Patty?
0: Um I, I, I'll uh, I'll just say that I had Garden and Collins slightly higher than that. I but think we'll, you would. Yeah. <laughs> um, at number five, I have David Platt. Um, I don't hold David Platt in any highest esteem. I think he didn't exactly, in, you know, cover himself in glory since he left Villa and doesn't speak about them too well. Um but undoubtedly, fantastic player. Um before my time, really, as a fan playing for Villa. Um but I suppose you can't you can't put him in there without a, without an honourable mention, you know, because. The, what he went on to do in his career, um, you know, with with the, the three Italian teams or four Italian teams maybe he played for, um, playing for England, scoring at the World Cup. He, he was a magnificent player, you know, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, he played well over 100 times for us, scoring 50 goals from midfield, which is no mean feat, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just unfortunate that, you know, we don't see him around the place because. You know, he's, without a shadow of a doubt, down in his legend status, you know. He was, a, he was a fantastic player who probably in his career just happened to play for Aston Villa. But for us, mm-hmm. we would consider ourselves the team that made him what he is. You know, he was with us when he went to that, you know, semi-final of the, the World Cup, playing for England. So, um, I think he owes us a lot. You know, probably a lot of... Uh, medals and stuff picked up there when he was in, in Italy and came back and played a reasonable few years for Arsenal before retiring at Forest. But, you know, 62 caps for England. He's had, he's had a, a, a sensational career, you know, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt.
1: He's actually my number four, uh, David Platt. <laughs> um, and look, as I say, I, I, I'm, I'm well aware that Garden Counts is a better footballer than, than everybody on my list. I'm well aware of it. It's just what I can equate to what I remember, and what I've saw, what I, I've seen. Yeah, that's um, fair enough. Yeah. And David Platt came in at number four, and uh, I, I have a little anecdote. It's not it's it, Oh, it's it's very loosely based on, on David Platt, but our, we played a football. We had yeah a football match one time, and um, we forgot to bring jerseys. The our coach forgot to bring jerseys, and so we had to wear. Uh, basically, like we were just wearing shirts, t-shirts that uh, th- that we had, but we were, It was like we were fifteen, sixteen years of age, fourteen, maybe fifteen years of age, and we decided we'd swap and we wear each other's t-shirts, just so we, it would lo- feel like we were, you know, putting on jerseys. So we all threw them in, and one of my mates was a massive Arsenal fan, and he had a, a jersey and it had a Platt number four on the back of it. And I said, lads, <laughs> I'm wearing that. I'm wearing that David Platt. And uh, I was playing, I was playing Central League at the time, and I ended up scoring two goals. And um, I scored, of, I, I won't go into it, but I, I scored one of the best goals I ever scored that day. And since then, I've, your man still has the still has the jersey a, at <laughs> home, and I'm trying my best to get the jersey off him, just it holds so much sentimental value with David Platt in the back of it. But um, that's not the reason I have an, uh, him at number four. He was just—he was—he was really, really good player. He was superb uh, central midfielder. He was exactly what England needed. He That like England had a great team in in, in that era, and he just made a tick from a, a, I suppose a creative sense from the middle of midfield. Um, and, and and he was just a very very good player. Look, a hundred percent, he's gone on. and he's gone on to be quite an unsavory type, of per- I won't even say unsavory, but kind of a narky type of person, I think, in, in the media, since um, never really came across as a very nice person on the, on, on the line with, uh, with Man City and, uh, you know, never really got his, his, uh, he, he never really took to the, to the actual managerial game and such, but, uh, you know, what he did for Villa was absolutely fantastic. You know, he just scored for fun from midfield and, mm. um you know, he was the second coming of great players like Gordon Collins, Brian Little, all those kind of guys. You know, he was an next in the conveyor belt for Villa in that, in, in, in that, in that position. And, and for
0: me, I just thought he was fantastic. Who did you have at number four? At number four, I had Garrett Barry. Speaks for itself, I suppose. 365 games for, for Villa in 11 years, and 41 goals. And played in a number of positions. Left-back, left-midfield, centre-midfield. Um, probably could have picked them in either or. Um, a lot of people not too happy with him leaving, but I think after giving us 11 years, why not go on and win a Premier League title for yourself? You know, uh, I I can't argue with, with uh, his motivation for leaving. I will argue with the fact that he you know, plays for the baggies, but we won't hold it against him too much. Uh, unless he, unless we end up playing against him in the Premier League next year, and then <laughs> back to square one. But uh, yeah, I have nothing but fond memories of Gary Barry, uh, smashing player, no matter where he played. Um, obviously, a really good professional holds the record for the amount of the Premier League appearances. Like players don't play 650 games anymore, uh, you know, with the exception of his games with the Baggies. All of those are in the top flight. He's had an astronomical career without a shadow of a doubt. So yeah, Warren's his place in there for me. Um
1: yeah, I've got Barry higher. Uh I've got Barry a bit higher, uh, a bit higher than that, probably controversially so, but uh yeah, I do. Um so he was your, number four for you. Number three for me is uh Stylian Petrov. Um he was much mal- like I could never understand why there was a certain element of the fan base that thought the game passed him by. And look, I'm going going to call a spade a spade here that there was, uh, there was, there was an element of the fan base that didn't like him, just flat out didn't like him, thought he wasn't a good player. And then when he had his illness, like people who I remember having, having debates with people and, you know, not not in in his sense of holding on to the receipts to seem virtuous because of obviously the awful illness that Petrov had, but uh, he's gone down to be a club legend, Um, you know, and, and and that's the way he was. He was he was a really good player for the club. He was a fantastic player for the club. It wasn't because he got his illness that he became a club legend. And that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to get, get through here. It was only the people maybe opened their eyes to how good he was when he wasn't around and and for me i have him in number 3 because he's a born leader no matter where he's been uh, whether it was at celtic whether it was at aston villa um, you know he's come back alone ill-fated once again i've said it nearly on every podcast if that's at any other time with a stable boardroom with a chairman that knows what the hell they're doing and um, you know maybe a, a manager that isn't on a short leash Petrov probably gets another contract that time, even if it's for you know just just to you know for the buoyancy factor of what he would be in the locker room um but you know he's he what he did to 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 even make that small comeback that 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 brief comeback should i say um God, he was a trooper of a man. And when he played with Philly, he was fantastic. And he scored one of the best goals I've ever seen against Derby um, from the halfway line. <laughs> what a fantastic goal, you know. <laughs> but he was he was brilliant. He was he was eight million euros, well spent. He was Martin O'Neill's only signing in his first year. He was Randy Randy Lerner's first um splash, I suppose, really. Um at that stage. And he went on to be, you know, to be that unbelievable influence, captain fantastic at, at times, and, and look there's a reason why he's revered around Villa Park. Uh, and as I say, he was, there's people who didn't like him at the time when he was playing, but I'm glad that everybody can rally around the fact of how good he was. Um, You know, even, even though it took something horrible to happen to him,
0: you know, for, for people to realize
1: that as well. So it's Stylian Petrov for me at number three.
0: Okay. I, despite the fact I've nothing but love for Stylian Petrov, he's not in my top five. Um, he was a different player to the player we saw from Celtic. That may be, you know, something got to do with the standard and the step up from the SPL to the, the premier league. But at, at Celtic, he was a completely different midfielder that he was, um, you know, he he would be the one that was bombing on and getting on the end of crosses and scoring goals. He wasn't that type of player for Aston Villa, you know, um, he scored 55 goals in just over 200 games for Celtic. So that just pro- shows how yeah. prolific he was. I think, you know, there, there was, a, I remember at the time, one of the first times I saw him, the, the guys around me, the fellas that I know, used to call him the crab because he always went sideways. But the, I, 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 as I always say to people, people don't do that by their own choice. Yeah. It, it's usually manager which and he was never that type of player. Even though it was a Martin O'Neill player at Celtic, he's a Martin O'Neill player at Villa. I think Martin O'Neill realized quite quickly he wasn't gonna be given the freedom to get into the box the way he, he did at Celtic. So um while he was a fantastic signing, I don't agree with them calling him a crab. We're all there to to do a job and if that's what he's told to do, to bring the wide players into it and the full backs into it, so be it.
1: And I think that was a staple of the Premier League at that time. The Premier League was very, very um tactically um stubborn. You know, it's it's only in recent years since the influx of, you know, Mourinho and and even um you know more adventurous managers that have come into the league like Pochettino, like uh, like Guardiola, and, and and there's loads more else that have come into the league. But like you go back as far as Gavin McCann when he played with Villa, he was known as a crab for just going back and forward, not having any 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 luster to go to um to, to bomb bomb on George Botang. You know, we, we could name ten or twelve players, you know, to go down that would have been just that steadying influence in midfield, but none of them could do it as well as Stylian Petrov, I think, as well. And as you mentioned, yes, it is it's it's something that a manager, especially somebody like Martin O'Neill when he came in, because his game was predicated on on having somebody like that. No matter where he's been, he had him at Celtic. He had Neil Lennon at um, uh, at at Leicester as Lester, well. Leicester and Celtic. Yeah. And yeah. at Celtic, um, but but his his tactic was predicated on that. And you know that's not negative either. There's people paying no. eighty million for for crabs like like in Laconte and uh, absolutely and, uh, McAuley, you Club know. Club Yeah,
0: hundred can... percent.
1: You know, and he, was he was ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Maybe so.
0: Oh. Uh, who did you have at number three, Paddy At number three, I had one of our own, Ian Taylor. It's uh, I have a feeling you have him in there somewhere as well. I have him higher, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. Do like I mean, I tied I toyed with the idea of having him higher as well. Um. Only I absolutely adore two guys. For different reasons that he's at number three. Um, I think we got him for a song. The highlight for me was him scoring at Wembley against Leeds. Yeah. I just think that that was, uh, that was the highlight of a magical day to to have him. Um, a guy who was in with the crowd in 94 as a Villa fan playing for, I think it was Port Vale, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then ends up on the pitch scoring a goal two years later in the, in, in the same cup final. I think it's fantastic. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I, I'll speak about Ian Taylor a bit later because he is, he is higher for me. Um, yeah. but uh, <laughs> Yeah, so he's at number three. So number two, we come on to number two. Number two, I have Garrett Barry. Um, there's very few players that would have spent uh, more time playing with Aston Villa um, in my lifetime, than Garrett Barry, I, I remember the day that he made his debut in a back three under John Gregory, um, out of nowhere. Uh, I think it was a bury he was signed from only about maybe six months previous, and uh, made his debut. I think on the left side of a back three uh, for John Gregory. Um, so I like he went from there to playing, uh, you know, left wing, uh, playing centre midfield. I, I and like he got plaudits everywhere uh, for me Garrett Barry was fantastic he's got as you mentioned he's played over 600 games uh if I'm not mistaken I don't have any point of reference in front of me or anything like that but I think he's the second highest uh, cap uh, earner in the Premier League in Premier League era um and you know, most of those have been with Villa he's I would imagine he's in the top five Villa caps of all time once again I don't have any point of reference I should know this um mm. in fact I think I got the answer right in uh in a Qu- Villa quiz that was going on at the start of lockdown but I've <laughs> I've done so many quizzes since lockdown started I've pushed member <laughs> pushed information out the back of my brain that I should know um and unfortunately that's one of those but Garrett Barry for me is number two he um under under Graham Taylor when he was playing uh, left wing, he more or less, you know, carried the team on his own. Um, got a lot of England caps. Uh, central midfield, he could play. You know, for me, he could just. He was just such a steady guy. He was strong. He made the he made the right um he made the right call every time, you know. Whenever he got the ball, he made the right. He he took the right the, the right uh the right option um. But yeah, like uh, I was. I There's two players that I've been disappointed, been so, so, so disappointed that left Aston Villa in my time. And one of them was Dwight York. And I got over Dwight York in about six hours, but it took me about six days to get over Garrett Barry because of the protracted, protracted Liverpool stuff. And then going to Man City, I actually felt that he took a step down and going to Man City at the time. How wrong was I? <laughs> um, But. um. I can't fault him for what he did for Villa. He was just, uh, he was just imperious. He was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. I, I tied with having him in the left wing discussion. I tied with having him in the centre half discussion. I tied with having him in the left back discussion. And I went, you know what? If I'm putting him in those discussions, I know he's not going to win. But for me, central midfield is going to win. He's going to come in in one of those two spots. And, and Garp Barry is in there for me.
0: Yeah. Well, as I said, he's, he's you're, what are you? couple of positions ahead of me Um, really good player scored a lot of penalties Um, very good set-piece delivery played in a number of positions Um, I think he might actually be the number one of the Premier League era for appearances
1: could be no yeah
0: I I could be wrong Um, but uh, yeah model professional moved for medals that we we know when he picked Man City they were going to win medals but they did um and you know really really good career would so you believe they won't hold it against him he's playing for baggies
1: exactly yeah yeah exactly <laughs> we'll we'll sanitize that out uh, of his of his history <laughs> just looking at the appearances he is top he is absolutely top would you believe that we have four of the top one two three four five six seven four of the top eight Premier League appearance makers have played for Aston Villa. Garrett Barry, David James, James Milner, and Emil Heskey. Yeah. That's <laughs> there you go. Longevity. That we, we signed obviously one of our scouts liked longevity at one stage, and that's that was a reason for signing <laughs> players. But uh, uh, obviously looking down through the late oh well, Garrett Barry is still playing as well. Yeah, but James Milner would be the only one that could eclipse him, but he's a good 120 games behind him, so uh, he would want to. Unlikely.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Unlikely. Well, you oh, never way. know. Not impossible. Yeah. yeah Maybe he yeah. come
0: back to us and finish it off. How
1: oh, bad? I take him. I take him in the morning. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, so, who did you have at number two, Paddy? At number two, um, the guy with magic in his boots, Paul mm. Merson. The guy that you dropped out at the last minute. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Um, Really it was just for in. me. He epitomised a magic time from in 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 my time supporting Villa. Um, you know that run leading up to the FA Cup final in two thousand yeah. to watch the likes of him and Carboni together, the Dublin. It was just a, just a magical time. But the guy could do absolutely everything. His, his feet were unreal. He never stopped. He ran all day. Another guy. But, we got at the end of his career, which we'd love to see him a bit earlier. But you know, when he was there, he was fantastic and a joy to watch.
1: Yeah, I I I don't like the. I I look at this list of, of players and I go, how can't I fit Paul Merson in there? And, and he could be. And this is what I mentioned about. This is what I said about the centre midfielders and the centre forwards that we did. Is that uh, like we we could spend forever. Um, you know, we have tons and tons of honourable mentions. Uh, for these yeah. positions and, and we're just kind of proving it now uh, but well, saying- look, that's,
0: that's the beauty of it you know even when I look back he played over 100 games for Villa if, if, you, if I was to to answer that off the top of my head I would have said he played half the amount yeah but when he did play, when he did play he was brilliant but like I mean he played over 100 games um, another guy with a really good career you know I just have such fond memories of watching him play yeah that
1: goal he scored against Everton, wasn't it? Wasn't that that kind yeah. of half folly? I remember I remember that. Uh yeah, I remember non-villa fans and non-Everton fans going absolutely buck ape in a pub watching that. And I think it was uh, it was a midweek game as well.
0: Jeez, it was a fantastic yeah. goal, but uh one of my abiding memories of him was the uh I think it was the quarter final or maybe the round before that FA Cup run against Leeds. And the blood dripping off him onto his shorts. Yes. Short. Yeah. De Carboni. Yeah. Set up Carboni's hat-trick, wasn't it? it. Yeah. 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 Was that a hat-trick? Was that a hat-trick? Yeah. Might have been two. He, he set up the, yeah. He was brave enough to to, get the ball back across goal for Carboni to finish. Yeah. But the blood dripping off him and he, and we were behind the goal in the whole thing. And to watch him trying to go back on <clears throat> when it was blatantly obvious, <laughs> he wasn't yeah, going yeah. anywhere.
1: Concussed to high heaven, yeah. Before, yeah, before yeah. concussion was was a thing, he he had it in spades. Um, <laughs> so he's, he comes in at your number two, and my number one is Dean Taylor. And um, never, I, I think, I think when it, he when he signed for Villa, he signed from Sheffield Wednesday. It was a signing that even passed me by at the time. I, it was kind of underwhelmed by it. I didn't know much about him and uh, quickly got to know about him. And I quickly absolutely just fell in love with him. He was my favorite player. I was one of these guys in the schoolyard that used to shout out Ian Taylor as I was kicking people up in the air. I, there was another player I mentioned that I, that I used to do that about as well. I can't quite remember who it was, but uh, Ian Taylor uh, was somebody that, and and to this day, whenever people will say, Who's the you know name your best Villa uh, eleven? I will mention Ian, Ian Taylor, and people will not have a clue who he is. And I think that is just blatant ignorance because he had a fantastic career for Villa. He played very well for Sheffield Wednesday, and you know people should know who he is. That's that's their yeah. fault. You can't teach you can't teach respect, and people should have respect for Ian Taylor because of the guy he is, because of the player he was. There once again, there was a time there at the start of the. I'd say it was the start of the 2000s as well where he just went on a run scoring, scoring, scoring. You know, I think that he scored something like four goals in four games at one stage and he was just such a driving force and and Villa, usually Villa uh, supporters that play for Villa usually end up Bringing in the goods, you know, and look, we've been through it with with, with players so far that we've gone down through. Obviously, Jack, obviously, Lee Hendry, uh, people like Ian Taylor, uh, Mark Brighton, you know, and 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 I'm sure both of us are going to have Gabriel Guanahor somewhere in our in our in our strikers as well, you know. But Taylor was was fantastic, he's a great guy, and for me, he's. He's up there at number one. I and look, I know he's probably not the best player I've ever seen, but he's definitely the, my favorite player that I've in central midfield that I've seen play for Villa, and definitely the player I respect the most. So uh, for me, it would be very difficult for me to pick a best team I've ever seen without having him on it, and he'd be one of maybe three players that there would be it would be non-negotiable. I think <laughs> for my team,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, like I have him at number three. Probably, you know, just about edged out by Paul Merson. Um, he would have been in my my uh, my team, no doubt. But uh, he's I've I've nothing but good memories about him. He was a really good guy. He's, I said, he's one of our own. Um, that day at Wembley will live long in my memory, anyway. That's for sure. Um, he's had a a good affiliation with the Irish Lions as well. He's been over a good Mm -hmm. few times. Um even going back to the 90s, he came over with the Coca-Cola Cup and Yugo Ekiog and Tommy Johnston and and uh, Doug Ellis at the time. Um, we had a really good day in the Burlington Hotel with him. And ever since then, there's there's been a, a strong connection. And um, any time he's been asked to come over, he's never let us down. I know that the, the budget probably isn't there at the moment for doing uh, jolly ups like that, but I'm sure he'll be back over again in, in the future when we're in better times and um, the finances are there to do it but um, yeah I can't I can't argue with you I said it's just it's just my uh, just my opinion that I, I was privileged to watch Paul Merson and he edges him out of mm-hmm. what would be my central midfield partnership and who did you have number one? my number one is Gordon Cowens
1: yeah Look, he's the best in the list to be honest with you but
0: <laughs> as you say you don't, like I mean it's it's all about what you remember. Um, when you look back through the history books, it's like he left in 1985, ironically enough, but mm. he did come back twice <laughs> since yeah. then. So, I, you know, he has to have a place there. He, he played well over 100 times when he came back. So um, I, I, I'm blessed to say uh, I've seen him play, um, particularly in that 93-94 season. Um, I've also met him a few times. Lovely guy um the great picture of him and Stephen outside the whole thing um you know and and obviously you know our thoughts are with him at the moment he's going through uh, well rough times ahead you know with his health so mm. um he he without a doubt one of the best footballers ever the grace aston villa for me um and could look to him in the future you know it's a, it's a, a tough disease and i'm sure every villa fan is with him
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely and i echo that sentiment 100 um so i i've been pretty unwavering and i said listen look it's uh, it's, e- it's Ian Taylor and someone else that we're going to have to pick for this. And I think it would only probably be fitting that we would pick your number one and my number one and put them in together. That's probably the fairest way to do it. So Ian Taylor and Gordon Cowans will slot into the midfield. And you know what? I think they'd work pretty well together. I think <laughs> they would. They, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be lacking any industry out of the two of those. And it, look, it's, we've gone through some fantastic players. Garrett Barry, David Platt, Paul Merson. But um, look... Uh, cream rises to the top, in my opinion. And, and that's who, that uh, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find uh, two better midfielders um, in the last 35 years to put in there as well from an Aston Villa point of view. We're going to move on to the centre forward position. And we could literally spend a week talking about this. And I'm going to try and curtail myself from giving an opinion at absolutely everybody because we've had, like, contrary to popular belief, we've had some fantastic strikers. Um, for me there's there's honorable mentions in there that like people like Darius Vassell, um, underrated for what he did at Villa. never really went on and did anything else afterwards, you know, got was, was a pivotal part of the English team was like more or less the English super sub at the time. Um, we've got, uh, t- basically tons of uh, honorable mentions. Dean Saunders didn't make my, didn't make my top five. Um, you know, we, we could go on forever. Uh, We've had we've had other other strikers that maybe wouldn't even make top ten, top twenty. But guys that that spring to mind, you know, came in with good fanfare like uh, Stanley Victor, Milan um, Barros, uh, Kevin Phillips came in. You know, scored some pivotal goals. Marcus Albac, I don't think I'll ever forget him for keeping us up that year. You know, so we've had a massive array of strikers. Mm-hmm. Um guys who didn't make my another guy who didn't make my my top five was Juan Pablo Angel. Um you know, fantastic player ahead of his time. Not I, I I I think the biggest problem with him was that he came to the Premier League in a time where I mentioned we were tactically stubborn and um we just couldn't we as a team couldn't get the best out of him for a lot of the time um that he was with the club. But uh he didn't make my top um my top five. But let's start and uh, my number five is uh bigger than me and he's bigger than you. Uh, it's John Carew. Um I don't know what hallucinogenic material we spiked Leon's um, drink with to be able to swap him for Milan Barros, but we did. <laughs> we somehow did it, and we got the better end of that stick for sure. Um uh, John Crew, look, he, he speaks for himself. He he loves Villa. Still keeps on coming back and forth. Seems to forge a good good uh, relationship with the future king of England uh, as well. You know they're yeah. often spotted together in um, in close quarters uh, in in executive boxes and so on. Um just a colossus, a real good foil for a lot of players. Took to the Premier League. The only thing about I I I, I regret about John Crew is that he didn't come to the Premier League uh, sooner because he was. 100% made for that league His strength his power um, The fact he could He could play up front On his own If needed oh, He's just Just a very very good player And he was exactly What we needed He was Exactly what, John, what um, Martin O'Neill needed And he was exactly The foil for uh, Gabby Aguilar At the time So um, John Crewe For me was at number
0: 5 Funnily enough No more discussion needed He's my number 5 too Brilliant yeah, and and I think he's deserving
1: of it because I think he's 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 certainly up there um at uh, uh up there in high esteem. You know, you won't find too many people that would disagree with that. Number four, I have um the late dylan Atkinson at number four. Um for me, he was one of the players that when I started following Villa in 92 and I spoke about this previously but guys like uh, James Milner guys like Ashley Young in, in more recent times it just got me out of my seat and I, I would I was looking forward to watching Villa games because they were playing for Villa and Daniel Atkinson for me was one of those players um, I look forward to watching him watching Villa and I, I was proud to support Villa because he played for them, because he had that certain X factor. Um, obviously, you know, probably poignantly enough in the times that we're in at the moment. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's important to remember him, um, considering the way that he he, he passed away, unfortunately. Mm. But uh, I don't think I will ever forget that goal that he scored. Uh, that, that amazing, amazing goal he scored. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever forget that goal he scored where your man ran on with the... With the, the um, with the umbrella um, He was fantastic He had absolutely everything And he played with a smile on his face And he got a, a great reward I, I was actually gutted when he went to, to Sociedad as well um, and I, the funny story about that, he was he was gone to that four months before realized he had realised. I thought he was injured. Yeah. Back in the day, when match when you if you missed getting an episode or uh, an edition of Match Magazine, you completely missed out on certain transfers. transfers. <laughs> yeah, 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 it happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so he's gone for about three months or four months now I only realised that coming up to Christmas and I went, I'm where's at Atkinson he must be injured <laughs> and an older friend of mine told me that I was an idiot that he was after moving to move Spain but yeah he
0: comes in at number four for me who did you have at number four yeah well I must admit I, I toyed between Carew and Atkinson and I went with Carew so he's, uh, he's not in my top five at number four I had Christian Benteke hmm. Not, not everybody's a uh, choice, I'm sure. Um, I think we got the best years we could out of Benteke. He was absolutely phenomenal, scored some fantastic goals. Um, disappointed he left, but I don't think we really had a choice at the time financially by the sounds of things. Mm-hmm. Not that we can uh, say too much about it. <clears throat> Didn't play as many games as the other guys, but you know, averaged a goal every second game. Um as I said, that goal against Man United, the overhead kick, then he scored um Norwich was it, the overhead kick? Yeah. Um absolutely phenomenal for us. Yeah, Liverpool and Palace didn't get the that, same out of him that we did. You know, the game he played against um,
1: Liverpool, where himself and Feynman absolutely destroyed him them. to sunders. That was the
0: Anfield one, wasn't it? The three yeah, one. Oh, yeah. he
1: was strength in his power. I watched that game with with three Liverpool fans, and I couldn't celebrate any of the goals, but I really <laughs> wanted to because uh they were quite violent <laughs> about losing <Yeah>. the Villa <laughs> on that particular day. Yeah. Jesus himself and Agbonahor were unbelievable that day. Yeah, yeah, fantastic there. Um He's actually number number three on my list. I haven't I met number three. All right, okay. um, just a, a complete striker for that period of time. Um, first game he played for Villa where he scored, I can't remember who we played. I watched it. Um, I was out in Spain, and um, I conveniently convinced my uh, significant daughter, I convinced her to go for dinner at uh like three o'clock in the middle of the day <laughs> and i had scouted out i had scouted out a pub that had the game advertised and uh thank well thankfully she was oblivious to me looking at all the sandwich boards outside the pubs uh and the restaurants <laughs> as i was walking past and she was she thought i was looking at menus i was looking to see who what, what games were being shown um but, uh, yeah, we watched the game and I thought he was a bit clumsy in the ball bounced off him, but he got a goal. I think, if I remember rightly, did the keeper come out to try and clear it and kicked it off him and he chased it back in and tapped it into the net. I think it might have been something like that um, was the goal yeah. he scored. But he went on. Look, he was imperious. He was he was mini-Drogba at times. He was unplayable. He was really strong and, um, you know, like gutted that he left. I actually, when he left to join Liverpool... I, I was quoted as saying That he was go on to be the best striker in Europe And I um, have a bit of egg in my face after that But look, I'm glad I but genuinely
0: he, believed that as well at the time um, I don't know What happened, there's confidence Between uh, Leaving us and Starting for uh, for Liverpool it's I just think,
1: Beyond belief I think Kismet, his agent, has a lot of answering To do for his career and I think some some players can maybe trust in in, uh, in 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 agents and advice a small bit too much, and um, look, as I say, we will never know the financial ongoings at Villa at that time, and we maybe needed the thirty four and a half million or whatever, but uh Kismet was uh, was kicking the tires for eighteen months prior to that, and I think maybe you know. That could be something to do with it because, uh look, agents can be good for you. They can get you a good deal, but they can also turn your head from time to time. And, and maybe it might yeah. be something to do with that. I just don't have any good feeling towards that agent in particular. And the fact that I know his name uh kind of brings a small bit of infamy because uh he did he did get caught a lot of times with fake phone calls and things and he just didn't ever seem to be the the, the sharpest knife in the drawer either. But look, uh, Benteke was was my number three. Who was your number three, Eddie?
0: My number three, and I have to admit, I was never a huge fan of number three, but the statistics, the things he did in his career, I didn't think he scored enough goals, missed a lot of chances. And... But in his defence, we rolled him out every time he played the Blues and he came up to trump. So at, no, at number three is Gabby Agbonahor.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. I have him higher. <laughs> you have him higher. I figured
0: you might. <laughs> 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 like I, made, I made no... Uh, earlier, in, you know, in, when we spoke about... I, I, I don't go in for small strikers. I love the big guys. Yeah. You know, I, I love the likes of John Carew and and, and Benteke. Um, so... Yeah, I can't ignore the fact that Gabi Agbonahor is our highest Premier League goal scorer. <clears throat> um he's one of our own. Um, you know, it just he warrants a place in there regardless of what my opinion of him is. Uh, I I have
1: him at number two. Um I am at number two specifically for the fact that uh you know, like he he did it all for Villa. He could play up top on his own. There was a time he could. Um like I I would love to have seen how his game could have morphed if uh like like he was at his best when he was putting on that muscle and he was becoming that sprinter striker type guy, um that track and field guy that I mentioned, kinda of like Tony Daly uh was. And then Jar Ger- Jared Julia came in and Jared Hulia really pissed off a lot of people and basically just thought that he was fat and kind of, you know, he Oh he did, yeah. That 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 was kind of the beginning of the end for him, you know, which was a shame because that big or I think, is only thirty three and he's not playing football now, and he should be playing football because it's not due to injuries, it's not due to anything else, it's literally just due to getting a bad rap from, you know. The, for no reason, I don't. I, yeah. I don't. I don't see what that was for me. Number two, uh, he scored so many goals. He was part of the most, uh, the most, uh, one of the most exciting. I won't say the most successful, obviously, because it wasn't. But one of the more exciting times when we thought we could breach the gap between ourselves and the Champions League, and he's one of our own. So for me, he came in at number two. Um, who did you have at number two? Patty?
0: at number two. Um I was tempted to pick him at number one. He's one of my all-time favourites, Um just absolute diamond of a guy, brilliant footballer, great goalscorer scorer, and it's Dion Dublin. Yeah, I'm disappointed I didn't. I I couldn't fit him in somewhere.
1: I can definitely understand it. <laughs> I can't
0: believe you haven't got him in. The- <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually shocked. Um, Deion Dublin is just, you know. He just epitomized that, that great time of, you know, uh, that period, again, leading up to um, Find know, Paul Merson. Yeah, oh, you know, the, it, it was just a magical time. I remember um, the day, if you recall, the, the Santa Claus came in and oh, yeah. on a parachute and hit yeah. the top of the Trinity Road Arsenal. stand. 2-0 down uh, against Arsenal. <clears throat> and I was sitting in the North stand that day and we were due to get a flight back that night. And I was actually, the the delay was that long. I was tempted to leave. And I said, you know what? I'll stick with it here. And we were two nil down and they come out and they were just, he was on fire that day. Absolutely mm. on fire. and come back and beat them three, two. It was just one of the best days I would have ever had. Um, like the like, I mean, the list goes on and on. the The amount of fantastic appearances he's had, um, not only scoring goals, holding up the ball and bringing other people into play to, to score goals. Um, didn't play too many games in in the time he was there, you know. But you know, this is he a guy broke that his broke neck his neck as playing well, yeah. for yeah. So, um, I just think it was an absolute pleasure to have him. I think you know we got six good years out of him. Uh. Probably the best he played in his career was for us. Mm. If, you, if, you, <laughs> if you take Cambridge Cambridge United out of it, which would lower down when he when he started, um, I, I think he played his best football for us without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I I think so. Um, even though he would have scored more goals for 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 Coventry, but uh, you know he definitely did play. Yeah, like it, it's very difficult for me. I think. Um, that period, quite obviously, was was a great period of time. I think it was an oasis in in kind of the John Gregory years were finishing up, and then we had the you know the, the years that were were to come afterwards. That maybe weren't as glittering, um, but like. I, can, I like I don't have and I don't have Dublin in my top fives, and I can completely see why they would be. And, I, I, and you know, I kind of, I'm not going to say I regret it, but I'm, the thing I do, I regret is that I don't have top sixes, <laughs> so that I could have them in there and talk about them, because Deion Dublin gave me many, he's a good day, and, um you know, he's a great guy, and uh, absolutely, like, he's he's just a top, top, top kind of, uh, even personality, because you see him on Holmes Under the Hammer, and uh, he just talked to like a doctor. He's just a good guy. He's a nice, genuine, smiley guy. And and fair play to him. Um, scored a lot of goals for Villa. And um, yeah. Looking at my list, you know, you could. I should really be finding a way to him shoehorn, shoehorn him in there, but. You know, these guys that I have on the list for me had had a massive impact, um, and none more so than my number one player. And I would imagine he's your number one player as well. Neither of the two of us have mentioned um, it's up to you, Dwight York. Dwight York, yet. Um, for me, probably the best value of a Villa signing of all time. And we'll probably be up there with Nicholas and Elke being signed by Arsenal as one of the best value signings of guys that were plucked out of nowhere that actually went on to become like genuine footballing superstars because Dwight York was, as I mentioned, Dwight York was he was like for him to leave Villa the day he left Villa, I remember looking at it on teletext and I came up in teletext and I nearly broke the remote. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I found out that the Dwight York left Villa. Um because I wasn't gonna get stung like I did with Dalian Atkinson. So I checked Teddy Text every day that time. I didn't wait for Match <laughs> Magazine to come out. Um but yeah, you no, know, look, what a what a player. Uh from scoring those little cheeky penalties um in, in FA Cup games to just being an all around electric striker. Once again, another guy who played with a smile on his face. Um just look... I don't want to go into too much into his personality and what he said about Villa and stuff like that afterwards, and where he's kind of coming from about trying to actually campaign for a job at Villa and stuff. Um, since, uh, but but the player Dwight York that played for Aston Villa during those years was just just imperiously fantastic. You know, he was a different breed, and he was a different. Uh, he, he had he just had different skill set to anybody that played at the time. Um, you know, him, he was great. Compliment himself and Savo Milosevic were fantastic. And actually, I've watched back a couple of those games recently. And Savo Milosevic is an awful lot better player than I actually remember. Um <laughs> I've, le- I've allowed his spitting incident to taint me. And I I, I should mention him probably as an honorable mention here. And um, he probably yeah. won't be in my top 10 because, like, looking back at games, he played we lost the, that semi final that we lost to Liverpool 3 uh, 0. Even though we lost 3 0, Savo ran the show for us up front, and he was unlucky not yeah. to score a couple himself. But uh, Dwight York We're talking about Dwight uh, And definitely number one for me Without a shadow Without the most complete striker I've seen play for Villa
0: Yeah He's um, He's my number one Obviously I'm not going to Throw any bombshells in here <laughs> He's uh, he you, was... don't, you mean Jordan Bowery isn't your number one? No <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he just You know He was just a find of The millennium For us Yeah um, i remember the first time i saw him play at Tolka park in 1991 which is he was just majestic you now obviously he was playing playing against Shelburne, so we absolutely ripped him to shreds but i remember thinking wow what a player this guy is going to be um and true to it he was for all those years um absolutely hated the fact he went to man united mm. really really hurt me i Absolutely despise Man United, everything about them. But the one thing that always sticks out that kind of softens it a little bit is the story Graham Taylor told about the morning of the Champions League final when he rang him and said, Thanks very much, I'm about to play the game in oh, my life. I yeah, I just that. that one, that one just you know softened that a good bit when Graham Taylor told it. So yeah, I he's without a shadow of a doubt my number one. Um, you know, the. A few honourable mentions there that can't help thinking. Would Robbie Keane be our number one if we just signed him when we were supposed to sign him back in 1998? Um, would Luke Nillis have gone on to be number one Luke if he didn't Nilles. have that horrific injury? You Geez, know that goal
1: against Chelsea.
0: Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, Dwight York had everything. Even when, you know, when they tried to facilitate it, like of so Tommy Johnson coming into the team. And they're pushing York out on the wing. He was still brilliant. Mm. He, he had so much in his locker. He could beat a player, he could turn a player inside out. He could cross the ball. He was one of the most naturally gifted finishers you'll ever see. And you know, and prove that at Man United without a shadow of a doubt, you know, to, to go on and win so many trophies. He was he was on that treble winning team in ninety nine. So yeah. yeah, hard to hard to argue with the career he's had. Um, we even forgive him for the 13 games that he played for Brownian City, <laughs> Yeah. but uh, needs to stop that campaign and about being Villa manager because it's getting a bit embarrassing, as you said. Needs yes. to go out and uh, he needs to go out and do his badges, do his badges, and uh, uh, get a bit of experience somewhere, and then we come back and talk about it. Then,
1: yeah, like I'd have no problem if he wanted to come in and be involved in lower, lower, uh, like and work his way up. You know, through the ladder yeah. and come in. Not, I'm not saying lower leagues, but I'm saying, yeah, come in at Villa, be a coach, be like, be finishing coach, be be a strikers coach, maybe coach with the under twenty, the the under twenty threes, maybe coach with the under 18s But this this whole um no, I want to come in as manager thing for me. It's um, look, he may be a fantastic manager at some stage. I don't know has he managed any teams? Yeah. To crack off managing Trinidad and Tobago at some stage. <laughs> You know, I don't think, I don't he, think did. he has. No. no, but I think he did have some sort of role with them at one stage, as uh, um, you know, with within our football association, because obviously yeah. he's the, the the best player that's ever played, best best athlete. I'd say that. Bar maybe cricketers and stuff like that, and uh, maybe some some sprinters and stuff like that that have, that have come out of there. He's he's yeah. definitely doing the stadium is
0: recognized. named after him. There isn't it? Yeah, I think it <laughs> could. Dwight Dwar- York be Stadium in in uh in Trinidad? So. Could be, it could be oh, he's but. a he's an absolute hero in that country, and he, he'll forever be a hero here. And we'll try and overlook the fact that he went to Man U. But uh, yeah, and, 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 and as, you there, as you mentioned as
1: well, Paddy I I kind of that's that's why I think that's maybe why I did I hated Ashley Young going to Man United, and that's why I would hate. <laughs> Jack Grealish going to United. It's not like I don't, I don't despise United. I I I I appreciate what they did for the Premier League at the time and and, uh, and, and Fergie being a manager. I I was frustrated by them about how good they were, but I was really pissed off about them when they signed Dwight York. I I felt they didn't need to. They could have given someone else a chance. They hoovered up talent. That was the kind of the way that I felt about it. Um, but um. Yeah, uh, as I say, like Jack Grealish, it would, it would sicken me if he went to United. but uh, and, and I think it all would come back to the reason for that would be because it all stems from Dwight York going to Man United left such yeah. a sour taste. It, it, yeah, you know, well,
0: I just, you know, there's there's financial fair play there for a reason. Yeah, And yeah. when you look at what they did throughout the years and what Chelsea did throughout the years after that, that's why financial fair play is there, yeah, yeah. but uh, for the life of me, I still can't see how it's fair play, no, because no. they can still come in and like the likes of Chelsea taking team over, or is it during the week?
1: Well, I think I think yeah. with Chelsea, they like they they will obviously have have a pot to still spend because they didn't spend anything in the in the in the summer transfer in the last no. one, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, like, they probably still have their pocket money safe from that point. But that's, that's a completely different podcast, Patty. and the Financial <laughs> Fair Play. And we get on to that. We, we, hopefully, we'll be able to talk about, or we won't need to talk about, really, about Financial Fair Play from a, a point of view of... Um, of the way we've been speaking about it previously and we'll be able to talk about it from a Premier League point of view as opposed to looking at parachute payments and looking at how the EFL financials fair play differentiates mm-hmm. between the, the Premier Leagues and hopefully we'll still be able to play with the big boys because we do have cash to spend, I think, as uh, yeah. if we do stay up. But once again, that's for another conversation. So, Paddy, would it be fair to say that since we both agreed on Dwight York, he would be in there? Um, and of I'm going to leave the call... Up to you because I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna rest on you to make the right decision. And um, between Agbon Lahore and between Dion Dublin, do you think that we should have Christian Benteke in there alongside Dwight York as, uh, <laughs> as his strike partner?
0: <laughs> oh, put the pressure on me, don't you? I'll have, have to go with my gut and pick Dion Dublin.
1: Oh, you're gonna go with Dublin. Right, okay, <laughs> fair enough.
0: Your fault, you gave, gave me the casting vote.
1: I did, yeah, 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 I did. Uh, at Philip Eddie for everybody that wants to hear about that went he wants um, to give me grief.
0: Yeah. Look, there's a lot of people that wouldn't agree, you know, but no, some people d- wouldn't agree with Dwight York, some Somehow. people wouldn't. No, you know? I have one friend that likes to f- conveniently forget that we ever had him because he dislikes him so much for going to, to Man U but like, what can you do these these things are going to happen in football
1: exactly um,
0: a lot worse a lot worse has happened at different clubs you know exactly um, yeah
1: so well there's a bombshell to end our uh, our <laughs> team our best team since 1985 so we have Mark Bosnich in goals uh, Mark Delaney Olaf Melberg Um, Paul McGrath and Steve Staunton give give us our back four Uh, we have then in midfield we have Tony Daly uh, and left wing then is Jack Grealish with Ian Taylor and uh, Gordon Cowns in the centre uh, which uh, Tasty Tasty two lines so far And then up front We have Dwight York And Dion Dublin I think I'm, Maybe I was a bit presumptuous By playing a 4-4-2 But I think That just seems like The right formation For Aston Villa For that period of time I think um, so I think it's the right formation to play. Uh, But yeah, Dion Dublin and Dwight York up front, we wouldn't be short of goals. I think they'd be a nice partnership. (laughs) Obviously, look, there's going to be people who want Dag Bonloher in there. There's going to be people who want Barry in there. There's going to be people who want Milner in there. There's people who are going to want to have Ashley Young in there. There's people who are going to want to have um, Benteke in there. There's people who are going to want to have Martin Larson in there. There's people. You know, so there's there's tons of discussion points on it. And it's, it seems easy when you're trying to do it out yourself. But when you actually try and reason it out uh, amongst uh, reasons why you want to have certain players in certain positions, it actually becomes a bit more nuanced and it goes down to gut feeling. So, um, yeah, so that's it. What we're going to do, guys, is we're going to wrap it up on that. You can follow us on at Mac for the love of. You can follow Paddy on at Villa Paddy. Um, the podcast as I say Share it out to all your friends. If there's people you know that aren't looking at it, aren't watching the, listening to the podcast, I say so far. Um, please let, uh, please let them know where to find it as well. And we're getting closer to the resumption of the Premier League. And all that's really left to say is up the Villa.
0: The Villa.